I know patron Neil Clay had previously asked us if we mm. missed DS9 while we were in the midst of Enterprise Season 1. And um, uh, I think we answered that. I, I wouldn't say I've been missing work, Neil. It was kind of our answer uh, there. But seeing him here, I guess, uh, did kind of, it kind of brings back things. Rene Abergenois obviously plays Odo and he's in this episode. But it was, um, I'm also in the midst of this oral history book about Star Trek. I'm in the DS9 section. So maybe I'm just being sort of triggered emotionally about it. But um, it, it was it was nice to see Rene Abergenois here, especially since he recently passed away about a year ago or whenever that was. Yeah, um, I I definitely responded positively to his name in the credits. Uh, unfortunately, he was I would I would consider this a waste of of him. Yeah, <laughs> for this episode. Uh, it didn't, didn't fill your to do. didn't fill your Odo uh, Rene Auberginois uh, hole in your heart at this point. No, it did make me it it did remind me of Deep Space Nine though because it it reminded me of two much better Deep Space Nine episodes smushed together and made into a third worse Star Trek episode. This is strongly reminiscent of Shadowplay. I don't know if you remember that episode where Odo is actually one of the main characters of that one where he goes to a planet and it turns out that the entire village except for one person are holograms that this person made because everyone else died and he didn't no, want to be alone. I, that, wasn't, that wasn't even the one I was that, thinking that's of. That's literally the one. And there's also TNG Survivors is another one where the guy is the godlike being and he, he kill, everyone dies and then he kills the aliens and he resurrects his wife as the one companion that he wants to live with, but she's not real. Yeah, I don't remember that one either. That's yeah, a very I good was one. Thinking of, yeah, I was thinking of, um, it felt to me like a cross between uh, the one where Odo, where, where, the, where the Defiant crashes on the planet and Odo gets sexy waiting for Kira to show up. <laughs> Children of time. For, four, yeah. for 400 years or whatever. <laughs> and uh, the other one, it reminded me of only because it was, it was like this episode, but without the stuff that made th- this episode good. Um Sorry. Made this episode good or the other one good? The other one. Made the other one good. Is the one where they're talking to the dead person. It's uh, a DS9 episode. Tra- tr- oh, Sound of Her Voice. They're try- yes, yeah. Uh, but but we can get into why why that is uh, when we talk about You know, I, I was kind of harsh on Sound of Her Voice, but remembering that episode, I think it's better in my memory than it was after I reviewed it. I think I gave it a three, but it's kind of like a touching episode. The idea is pretty... Uh, Touching, I guess. But we're not talking about mm. DS9, unfortunately, at this point. We're talking about Oasis on Enterprise. So let's take a break. We can, because I, I don't have a lot to say about this. <laughs> well, I, I, I think I have a lot to say. We'll see. Let's take a break. We'll play a quote from the episode, and we'll come back, and we'll break down Oasis. We were on our way back from our colony in Kotara Bara. We came under attack as we passed this system. Who attacked you? They didn't introduce themselves. They just opened fire. We're a supply ship. We don't carry large weapons. We tried to defend ourselves. The captain was able to make a crash landing. It's a miracle we all survived. Didn't you send out a distress call? If we had, it would have let the Raiders know where we were. So you set up this dampening field to hide. We were afraid they'd come down and finish what they started. All right. So Oasis is the 20th episode of the first season. It aired on April 3rd, 2002. Teleplay goes to Stephen Beck. Story credit goes to Rick Berman and Brennan Braga and Stephen Beck. Directed by Jim Charleston. In the universe, date is unknown, but it's 2151. In this episode, the crew finds a derelict spaceship from which they can salvage some supplies, only to find that the ship is not quite as deserted as they were led to believe. There be ghosts here. It's spooky. I actually wish there were ghosts in this episode. Um, I think that a, uh, let's see, the cold open here is interesting because mm-hmm. I I feel that this episode is very similar to 
maybe Rogue Planet was the one that we most focused on here, where I I see writer strings everywhere in this one. Sure. It's kind sure. of a mystery that's not really a mystery for any particular reason. I think the most egregious thing is the very strange cold open, which features Tom Bergeron in full alien makeup. Is that who that was? Yeah. It's Tom Bergeron Tom from Bergeron. Dancing with the Stars? <laughs> yes, yeah. Oh, my God. Um, you, you recognize his voice more than I think his face in some ways, but once you hear it, you can't avoid it. So uh, his name is Damar, which is another interesting callback to DS9 mm-hmm. or a reference, or if it's not a reference, it's a kind of strange thing to name him. But he starts off this episode by sort of uselessly telling this crew that the ship is out there. And he says, no one alive is on that ship. So Mm -hmm. my problem with this cold open is that it seems purely designed to just confuse the viewer about what's going on, to make it seem like something, like there's a ghost story that's supposed to be coming up. Because when they say that, the crew doesn't ask for any information about what that means. Like, no one's like, what, what the hell are you talking about? Like, why would you say that? They just go, oh, must be a ghost or kind of like goofily laughing at it. But it's just a small example of what I feel is the, the script just kind of laying out these trips for you. And it doesn't feel like it's an authentic story that comes out of it because everything feels extremely artificial and how it goes on and moves into it. And that's even outside the fact that I don't think it's a very strong script in the first place. Yeah. I actually, I didn't mind the cold open at the time because the prospect of a, them in, uh, of a haunted ship of some sort is I'm fine. That's cool. I'm, I'm down with that. Um, I think where it, does a disservice though is like um this is this is an episode where i wish they had been done i guess it's not unlike a doctor who episode really but i i wish that they had focused in on the ghost aspect and then the episode had turned into a debate over ghosts (laughs) yeah no i'm serious i'm serious like a debate over ghosts science versus belief or whatever and then uh, uh, finding out that then doing some cool ghost stuff, creepy ghost stuff, because you know the show is good at that. Because uh, this is yet another uh, "What was that?" episode. Yep, uh, where, some, where stuff is scurrying around the back. The, the very child's play, uh, like small shadow runs across the doorway. Yes, like you see yes. Chucky doll run. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then you know you just you find out what the ghosts really are, and then deal with it from that. Like you know, like it, it actually it actually would. It actually would have like a concept yeah. to it uh, that was w- worth exploring. You could still do all the shit they did, but it would be interesting if they. I don't know. Like, this is just such a boring episode, and it's it is it is the worst kind of mystery. I guess I guess the term is I guess you could count this as a mystery box thing, but it's it's the worst kind of that because. The mystery is not interesting. There's nothing about this in, this mystery that makes me go, "I wonder what's going on." Mm-hmm. And did you guess? It, well, when, sorry, did you guess it was holograms, or were you unaware of what was going on? You didn't, it, um, or it wasn't even interesting enough where you were thinking about what was possibly the outcome of this. I, I assumed it was. I thought it was maybe some sort of like mental projection. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't jump to to hologram. Uh, uh, even after they showed the the dead body, I, it didn't occur to me that it was specifically holograms. Yeah, 
Um, but just some kind I mean, of representation of people that used to be alive was your like yeah. was some sort of technological outcome. Yeah, of it I now. actually what I ended up doing at that point was I started thinking like, are they breaking their own rules because they've got the girl on the ship and she's eating ice cream? Can yeah, I, can they? Can, right. Can you thought she couldn't leave because she's a hologram, right? Yeah. Yeah, I assumed that she was part of the part of the group there. Um, but like, and once you find out what it is, it's like okay, that's fun, I guess. But your entire episode was driving to this. Uh, driving to this reveal and if you're going to do that your reveal really has to be like a doozy and this is not it's just and and it's it loses the steam because the, the 40 minutes it takes to get there or 30 minutes it takes to get there is full of there's not really story happening yeah it's just people they're all just kind of sitting around talking and then eventually they're like, oh yeah, holograms. Yeah, like there's no uh, the, even the stuff with Trip and the girl isn't interesting. Um, Trip and T'Pol isn't really interesting because they just start like sniping at each other about girls that T'Pol like that uh, Trip <laughs> likes, and the I Zerillion, just don't. It's just yeah, they got him pregnant is a callback. Yeah, it it feels very much like I was waiting for a subplot featuring a cop. Because there was there was so so little to this story other than the reveal at the end that I was waiting for some sort of B plot. And it reminded me of Rogue Planet Rogue Planet's the hunting one, right? Yeah. It reminded me of Rogue Planet if Rogue Planet didn't have the interesting hunting stuff on top of it and it was just the stuff with the slug people. Yeah. Yeah. You know? It's just like, well, okay. Yeah, I guess. I think it um I think it suffers from I think it suffers narratively from it doesn't really have a main character as whose story this is supposed to be about. I think that it tries mm-hmm. to bounce between a lot of people. It tries to bounce between Rene Aubergenois' character and Trip and uh, the daughter, I think. Everyone is kind of mm-hmm. like having their own little thing. And so the reason that doesn't work is because everyone gets shortchanged from that, where Trip is just kind of like the main Enterprise character who's involved. So he has a sort of tangential relationship with the girl. But he's not really he doesn't have anything driving beyond that. I don't believe that these two fall in love or anything like that over the right. course of this meeting. The daughter starts out interestingly, but then because she was not the person who decided to pull this plot off, she is eliminated by the end of the episode. She's just there and mm-hmm. she doesn't have any sort of insight into it. And the Oda or the not the Oda, the Aubergenois character is a non-factor for the beginning, except you know that he's important because it's Rene Aubergenois and the camera keeps right. focusing on him when it doesn't need to right. look at him at all. But then when it comes to the end and he explains what he did, you had not spent enough time with this character to care about his sacrifice or what his actual right. problem was. So right. this heartfelt moment where he's explaining that he felt bad and apparently he's only remained on this planet because of guilt, I think. They don't really explain why he chose to stick around when he could have fixed his engines and gotten out of there. And so you, mm-hmm. you you end up there with like a, all right, dipshit. Like, what what do you do? Like, help your daughter. Like, why why are you forcing your yeah, daughter to stick around? That was that was the thing that I couldn't quite figure out. Is because the whole episode, it's like Trip going like, this is re- I I got a fuse in my pocket. I just toss it in here. The ship's good to go. Yeah. And then, uh, but Rene Aubergenois is just like, we were stuck here forever, and there was no way I could ever fix the ship. And Trip's like, no, seriously, all I got to do is put these two wires together, and you are set. You got a full tank of gas? Things purring like a purring like a kid. Yeah. All we got to do is take the uh, the kickstand off, and we're ready to get out of here. He's like, no. And then he also, yeah. he, Aubergenois' character says he tried to repair the ship, but he couldn't. 
And then at the end, when Archer's like, hey, we'll help you fix the ship, he's like, nah, the holograms will help me fix the ship. <laughs> like, so he yeah. just he just reboots the holograms who were apparently able to fix the ship and help him in the first place. So I think what they're trying to say is that guilt was the reason he didn't want to leave. But that doesn't help the people who died. It only punishes his daughter, right. who I don't right. understand why he would choose to make that decision. Yeah. I think this episode is a is a really good lesson in uh in plot structure and how not to structure an episode when you have a mystery like this built into it because realistically how this pr- should go is the reveal that everybody is hologrammed should probably happen around the halfway point and so from that point depending on how you want to do that if you want to play it out like they do here where everybody everybody finds out and you find out what the backstory is or whatnot or Maybe only T'Pol finds out. But either way, the audience needs to know by the halfway point of this episode. Because from that point on, that allows you to dig into what that means for these characters. Instead of just summing it all up in the last five minutes in a, in a monologue. You know, does maybe the girl doesn't know that everybody's hologram. She was young enough that she doesn't realize that this is not how everybody actually is. You know, yeah. maybe, maybe she doesn't realize there's anything wrong here. Uh, or you can get into the uh, the ethics of exactly what you're talking about. What does um, the shame of and uh, guilt of getting everybody killed? Is that doing anything for anybody if you're just going to get your daughter killed? Like there's a lot of stuff that you can dig into that they put on the table via exposition in the last five minutes. And instead of moving your twist up to around the halfway point where then you can actually get some story out of it instead of getting – 30 minutes 30 minutes of uninteresting ooh i wonder what this is about and and just laying it on the table on, on your way out the door because ooh i wonder what this is all about is not engaging unless it's really engaging unless you've really got the stuff that you're doing before your twist is really uh interesting yeah. because this twist that you're doing right this is the key to putting a twist in anything the twist that you're doing should be uh, supporting everything you've done up to that point. It's not everything you've done up to that point just be, being uh, the long road to get to your twist. Right. The twist, the, twist, is, twist, the twist should not be the payoff. The The twist has to work equally well as the story that comes before it. So the, the story before yes. it can't be weak yeah. enough where that you're going to like, this story sucks, but wait until we get to the twist, and that's going to be good right. enough to sort of save what's going on before it. Yeah, yeah, because that's 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 how those things work. All all the best all the best twists are 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 not uh, are not ones that exist in a vacuum from everything that, that led up to it. Um, so yeah, I think I think if they had shifted if they had shifted this to this plot element to a more to the midpoint of the episode, because like I'm watching this thing and I'm like checking the time, and literally nothing happens in the story. There's yeah. like no plot development that the that the uh, viewer is privy to until they tell you what's going on the 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 only thing you get is oh well these guys are uh seem they're doing something shady because they're trying to keep something under wraps to paul figures it out and then she gets taken off the board and it's like that's not i don't find that interesting 19 episodes into star trek enterprise after three other entire series worth of star trek that have done oh these guys actually might be bad guys of billion different ways yeah it's just not it's not cutting it yeah and 
I, I agree that the there's a lack of plot in the stuff that leads up to it. It also, you know, just to, to maybe harp on it a little bit, I just think that because there's not really a story there that can distract me emotionally or whatever you want to say, I tend to focus on the details. And when you start focusing on the details, all you see is the script that's in front of you. Because right. Right. I don't understand why they don't, they don't sense life forms only because there has to be this kind of idea that there's a ghost story. They get down there, and Tripp's like, why are all these plants in here? Like, we didn't sense any plants. And Paul goes, oh, there's a dampening field in this part of the ship. At no point do they scan anybody after that to see, like, what the right. hell's going on. Right. Like, yeah. no, at no point when they're being chased through the rest of the ship, which doesn't have a dampening field, is the Enterprise going, no one's chasing you. Like, or, like, the, the, you know, we only see one life sign down there with you guys. So the whole thing is just designed very weakly to get you to this point where they want the reveal to happen and they want it to mean something. But because there's no interesting story up to that point, all I see are the problems, which is really the pro- like, which was really the issue. It's like I can deal with scripts with problems as long as the main story is good enough to distract me through that, mm-hmm. all that stuff. And right. yeah. this just isn't, unfortunately. It feels like a, and Rene Aubergenois is like criminally underused in the first half because they can't reveal that he actually knows everything, but you know mm-hmm. that he knows everything because he's Rene Aubergenois, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I, I think... And also, I th- <laughs> sorry, just Archer. No, go ahead. It, it's a continuing characterization. I don't know if this is a intentional thing. Archer kicks off so many plots by insisting that people need help who don't who are like, yes, no, yeah. no, I don't, I don't need any help. And he's like, listen, listen, yeah. listen. You need some help. Let me help you. I mean, I, I as I as I was watching it, I, part of me was thinking like, I mean, technically, this is kind of a prime directive issue at this point isn't it because they've they've all well they've warped they've been they crashed or like they've been able to fly their ship yeah well but their ship is broken and theoretically they've been down there for multiple years and they've started a civilization that they don't seem to want to give up so are you now not even though they had warp capabilities they currently do not and the civilization (laughs) that they have built does not have warp capabilities so is that not technically a prime directive thing well they still two of them still know i guess that there are aliens out there they're not they're not surprised they met they met damar and they chased they chased yeah yeah (laughs) um but yeah i I, it's just it's just a matter of like understanding when you've got a, a a plot twist or a story uh, twist like this, it's just a matter of of, un- of recognizing when getting people to care about this twist is going to be a lot of work that could be, and, and you could save yourself a lot of heartache if you still use the twist, but you just position it at a different point in the story and make it make the story about something else other than just like ooh spooky or oh crazy yeah reveal. Um, but yeah, otherwise, I don't know. I didn't. I don't really have a lot to say about this episode, just because it's. I mean, I would have. I would have focused on the, as you were saying. I kind of laughed, but I, th- I think it's true. I mean, I would have focused on the ghost story stuff because the series does yeah. creepy pretty well, and they could have played up like. I don't know. You you tie in ghost stories into uh, like these aliens are essentially ghost ap- apparitions and things like that. Mm-hmm. Like there's some sort of like cross thematic thing going on there but it just to me to me what the problem here is that maybe i think this is actually a better episode than shadow play which is the ds9 episode that it kind of uh not rips off but it does a very Mm -hmm. similar idea to what shadow play was doing and i think that this one's better but 
I have no opinion because I don't remember that episode. I know you, you actually did it too. I checked you were, you were the guest on that one. Um, the, the, I think that the, the problem there is something that tied into what you had previously said, like in the last episode, I think, cause I just cut the clip out. You had asked if we're being too hard on enterprise. And I think that this one is kind of an example of why I think it's okay to be hard on enterprise at this point, mm-hmm. because what they've, this clearly feels like they are repeating a Trek trope and also inviting a former main cast member of a previous series to be a major part right. of the, the performance. It feels like they're very desperately reaching out to try to hook an audience at this point. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I just don't understand because they had a opening stretch of the season where they played into the prequel thing much better than they've been since since doing that. Like they've kind of abandoned doing the, this is a 200 years before TNG, 100 years before TOS stuff. And at that point, I think you just sound... It's just becoming kind of lazy, but I'm also understanding, before I throw it back to you, that because of this oral history I'm reading, like, there is a sort of feeling out period in these early seasons of this stuff. Like, I think Ira Bear was talking about in the oral history how their big, what he thought the big problem was that the way that they wrote the characters in their Bible did not match up with the actors that they chose to play those characters. So they had this period where they're like, sure. they're like Avery Brooks is not really playing Cisco the way we want. Terry Farrell was the biggest one where Farrell was um, the science officer. They cast her and they realized that she had such a problem with scientific dialogue that they had to hire an, an acting coach for her because she just couldn't do it. So they had, mm-hmm. to, they had to completely change what that character was talking about. Here is kind of different. I feel like the characters are fairly fleshed out. And I feel like... In, not fleshed out, but they're defined. They have a kind of characteriz- characterization for them. But they don't they aren't really doing anything with it. And it's right. it's just a it just feels so we've call, said it before, it just feels so workmanlike that the scripts are like almost on an assembly line and they're just like, put the mystery plot in, you hammer it in, we're gonna do this, fuck that problem. Let's just get like get through it. And I think that's the biggest problem with it. Like to, to, at this point, Oasis feels very lazy in what it's doing. It's not even like a failed idea of how you do a prequel episode. It's just this is a retread of an episode we've seen fifty times before, and we're bringing back Odo. So here you go, guys. How do you enjoy right, that? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Like I, you know, I was thinking of the uh, sound of her voice episode because while that episode drives to this twist at the end the path you take to get there is actually really interesting. You get to, from what I remember anyway, I can't remember how much I did or didn't like that episode. I, I remember liking it though. You, you liked it. Um, you didn't think it was great, but yeah, just I'll, 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 I'll like they on the way to this rest to rescuing this woman who they're interacting with, having conversations with her sort of, sort of shows you the mindset of where the characters are at that point in the season, which is mm-hmm. towards the end of the yes. war. Right. And you know, you're learning a lot about the characters. You're getting into character stuff there's a there's an there's a spin on on this idea where it's not just this concept this this twist that's the point of everything it's the stuff that came before that supports the twist as we were talking about and um an episode like this i agree that it feels like they've got all the pieces but they're just not really doing anything interesting with them and i'm not really sure why that is cuz it's like i feel like from concept kind of like what you're saying uh this is probably the strongest this is probably the most well uh conceived all 
yeah, the most well-conceived series as far as the concept of it and the characters that you have and the actors who, who are playing those characters because they're all pretty much pretty well-suited for the characters they've been cast to play. But for whatever reason, they just keep telling these first-season TNG-type stories where nobody really does anything reg- involving their own character. Or if they do, it's like just a little bit of it. And it's uh, it's I it's just strange to me because seeing an episode like this that is such a throwaway stock Star Trek episode feels like they're treading it, it just feels like they're treading water trying to figure out what they want to do with the show or something yeah. even though they they seem to know what they want to do with the show and the times that they've kind of gotten into it it's been fairly successful yeah but they just won't commit to it for some reason it feels like they gave still... up on it for 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 a reason i yeah. don't really understand it's not like they went through a stretch of 10 episodes where like boy this prequel thing is really not working out for them right you know yeah and it's not like the people involved with the show. It's their first rodeo in the, in space here. Yeah. Like Braga and Berman and all those, and at least those two guys anyway, yeah. have been involved Boy, with man, Star Trek has been for, there since, yeah, TNG. There's a couple writers on yeah. staff who have been there for a long time. So, like, you would think that there, I mean, everything is different. I know you got to figure it out as it's, as you're going along. It's not, it's not like everything is a formula you can figure out. But you would think that those guys would have enough experience with this franchise that they'd have an idea of what does and doesn't work for certain types of shows. Um, not, to, not to keep going back into this oral history thing, but I do find it interesting. Throughout the oral history, uh, a lot of the writers have things to say about Berman and one, the the thing that they keep repeating is that Rick Berman is not a writer. Rick Berman is not a writer. Sure. Like he's sure. he's the guy who um, inherited the thing from Roddenberry. He's kind of a studio guy. He he runs the production side very well, but he's not a writer. And I think that I think that that is actually maybe the problem with Enterprise to this point. Mm-hmm. If if he is co- he's credited as the co-writer and co-creator of this one. He's writing most of yeah. them with Braga. He's had a lot he's of stories. He's credits. on a lot of scripts. He's on yeah. a lot of scripts. So he's been at least in the room while Braga is typing on his keyboard to like giving him ideas and stuff. And I think that Enterprise's problem Brandon, Brandon, Brandon. <laughs> what if at this point what have Archer trip and fall face first into Paul's tits? They'll love it. The kids will love it. And you know, there's, people have a lot of problems with Berman. I don't know what I really think about him because when I see interviews with him, he seems fine. But the problem, I think, with Enterprise to tie into the Berman is not a writer Brandon, thing. Brandon, what if T'Pol just, like, gives Jeffrey Combs a hand job right on screen <laughs> with his ears? The kids will love it. That's, sorry, that's, that's, I, sorry Gene's, to keep cutting you off. that's Gene's universe right there. So uh, to tie into the thing with him not being a writer, Enterprise to me at this point feels the most like it is... Berman's understanding of the franchise, according mm-hmm. to other people, which is that this is a franchise that has a set process and look and feel to it. Yeah. Berman didn't like music. He didn't like things to look different. He liked everything to sort of, he saw himself as kind of the flame, the, the flame keeper of Roddenberry's ideal, even if he didn't really be- believe in it. And- Brandon, Brandon, <laughs> I don't like music, but I got this one song that my wife loves. <laughs> I think we should use it for the opening credits. This hot upcoming British opera singer is really going to blaze up the charts. And I think that's what it is. It just feels to me like someone is there at Enterprise saying, Star Trek plots are this. Just yeah. make an episode that does this. I don't care mm-hmm. what goes on in it. And I think that the reason that DS9 succeeded is because DS9 did not have that kind of showrunners on it. Like it had Pillar and then it had Ira Bear later on. And 
Enterprise to me just feels more like a brand of Star Trek than anything. Where DS9 felt like it was trying to like break the brand in some ways. Enterprise is just like, this is the brand. Here you go. Enjoy it. Which is really weird if you think about it. Because as we kind of touched on a bit when we started this series, they're kind of going out of their way to make this not a Star Trek series. Right. In the way that it's not called Star Trek Enterprise. It's just called Enterprise. They're using that song at the beginning instead of a traditional type Star <laughs> yeah. Trek song. Orchestral. The opening credits are very much um, 90s very, WB. Yeah, it's like uh, someone someone got their first copy of Adobe Premiere and a, and a backlog of B reel from like the, <laughs> NASA. The, yeah, just the NASA. Navy. Yeah, <laughs> all these all these yeah, NASA uh, free use clips. Do yeah, this? it's like it's like a uh, it's like a very early YouTube YouTube video that somebody <laughs> cut together of like what if we cut in like Star Trek ships with like the Wright brothers? Wouldn't that be awesome? There's a lot of kitten clips in this opening credit sequence. <laughs> What's going on? And halfway through, it turns into an, a flat Earth video, which really disturbed <laughs> me. Um, uh, then Jordan Peterson shows up, and I don't know what's going on anymore. Uh, it's uh yeah so like they they it's weird that that if he has such a stringent idea of what the show is when they seem to be trying to push back against the the preconceived notions of what star trek is at least in the presentation of it yeah that's true and i mean i think that that voyager is probably the shift there especially sorry not to not to cut you off but like especially if you are if you if you are pushing back and you're trying to not brand this as explicitly Star Trek, I feel like you gotta you gotta make it more interesting and really lean into some shit instead of just playing it so safe. True. Because of, otherwise it's just like another sci fi show on uh UPN or whatever. You know? It, it, right, you can't what's the point? You unless can't. you're gonna unless you're gonna use the name to get people in the door. Yeah. If you're not going to do that, you got to really make this worth everybody's while. Right. You can't disguise it as everything not Star Trek by removing Star Trek from the title and then give mm. just a kind of plot that only Star Trek fans will relate to or understand. Right. Like you're, you're, right. you're just you're just confusing the issue by not inviting Star Trek fans into it and also only doing Star Trek material out of it. It's a, it's a strange combination. They didn't really seem to think that through in what they were doing. And I think Oasis... I, I pro. I, it's one of these weird cases. I probably liked Oasis more than you. I don't think it's particularly good. Um, I don't feel like that you're in like one territory or anything for it. But I, I just think that the ghost thing. It mild. It, it's it's another thing that I've said previously before. Like it, it kept me interested enough to when I got to the end. I was only let down at the end. I, I didn't know mm-hmm. going through the entire thing that I was like, oh, this is going to be a huge letdown by the end. But it just it felt like a lot of different aspects coming together. None of it really paid off. I'm shocked that whatever the Aubergeanois character is isn't the focal point of this, really. He's, he's right. too late yeah. in the game. And if he's not going to be the focal point, I don't understand why you would cast Aubergeanois or like why a an excellent Star Trek actor would come in for this part and be like, this is the one that I want to do. It's, it's just, it felt like a waste. Yeah. And I, you know, I'm just thinking about the concepts that they do have in this episode that they, they could have done much cooler stuff with. Like what, what if you did like a, uh, aliens type thing where they go down to the ship and maybe the, there's a girl there, but she's a much younger girl and there are ghosts on the ship that are freaking the fuck out of her. 
but the ghosts are it's the hologram people of her crew and and, and her family whatever who have died when the ship landed but the holograms are like shorting out and stuff right so like you're seeing them like just for an instance instant and then they're like fizzling out so you could play up some the, the scariness of it and then when you reveal and you've got this girl who's alone and, and blah 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 and then when you reveal what's actually going on that these are actually th- these ghosts are her family yeah. that has been trying to take care of her now that they're gone in this hologram form or whatever i think you've got a much more interesting story i think you i think that actually fixes the problem with what is um Abajanois character motivation if he dies mm-hmm. but later than everyone else so it's him and her for a little bit but before yeah. he dies he builds these holograms as a kind of protector for her or something like a yeah. family for her that will be there when he's gone at that point you i think you still have to fix it that he couldn't fix the ship or whatever because that's the only way to make that have that make any sense but right. at that point that feels more i understand why he did this at all like yeah. i understand the yeah. reason for him to create these holograms instead of just like well it's kind of boring with just the two of us so let's have a whole bunch of people hang out with us um and that's more i understand that character's choice more at that point and if the girl had never known that they were holograms the entire time because she was too young for it that also makes more sense as to why that character would be confused or not just explain right away to trip what's going on with her yeah, yeah, and I mean, you could have her, even if you don't want to play up the scary aspect of it or whatever, or, I mean, you can go either way, you could have her say, uh, oh, my family is still here with me, and like, so like, she's she's reading it a different way than other people, you know, so yeah. I, I think it it would be a, a much more a much more interesting kind of uh, uh, concept I, with the same the same core to it. I know you don't you don't remember, but it, that's actually uh, fairly heavily borrowed from Shadow Play. The creepy thing about Shadow Play was when they found this village, there was a mystery that people kept disappearing, and the villagers could never find them where they went. And it was just that the hologram was breaking down, and so characters would disappear and not return again. <laughs> Shit, so, seriously? <laughs> yeah. So the 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 mystery there was what's happening to these missing people, and then they yeah. they uncovered that the hologram emitter is breaking down or whatever. But that that's kind of okay. what this episode needs at the same time. Yeah. That's that's similar to what I'm talking about, yeah. but not exactly the same thing. Yeah. But it, this adds the – I can't I, – because I think it's an old man in that one. So I, th- this adds the young girl needing these holograms is the difference there, where this – like mm-hmm. she, she kind of needs the protection or she needs the comfort or things like that. Yeah, I, I don't know. Um, anything else you want to say about Oasis or should we just go to final thoughts for yeah? Uh, yeah, that's pretty much all I got. Yeah. All right. We'll take a break. We'll play a clip from the episode. We'll come back, read some patron thoughts, and give our final thoughts about Oasis. I've never kept secrets from my daughter. She knows there's more to see beyond our little Oasis. But she's never talked about leaving. Not once. Now your engineer thinks we should just pack up and go. Twenty-two years, Captain. I've lived here for twenty-two years. And that ship down there may seem like nothing more than spare parts to you. But to me, it's home. I don't want to leave. I am happy here. All right, everybody. Thank you very much for listening. If you want to support the show, you can go to patreon.com slash the Penske file. It's the best way to support the show. For a couple dollars a month, you get extra podcasts, you get extra videos, extra behind the scenes stuff, some polls, everything that you would want. 
from this show for just a couple of dollars a month. It's much appreciated. Penske podcast branded poles. That's right. You can use them for skiing. You can use them for hiking. You can use them for putting up a fence. It yep. doesn't matter. They can mark you off can... where your driveway is in these cold New England winters so your plow doesn't go into your flower garden or anything like that. Just do whatever you, you need. Can, <laughs> you can put it along your property line to prove that your neighbor's tree that hangs into your yard is actually illegal. Yep. And you're, you're you able to shoot his dog if it goes across that line right there. <laughs> like that's Exactly. Like... <laughs> exactly. You could beat the dog to death with that pole. <laughs> Uh, and as always, our Captain Tier supporters get a shout-out here. I'll do something special from the recommendation. I'm going to list these in the order of patron joining. So oh this boy. is the oldest patrons go first to the newest patrons. It'll change it up. I'm going to screw up the names a little bit because my rhythm is off. Special thank you goes to Christian Pouch, who's actually a patron zero for us, Clay. He's the very first patron. He's been here since the very beginning. Let's just not name anybody else because he's <laughs> the only one that matters. <laughs> Tark Latif, Chris Tinsley, Mike Burnett, Colonel Doomsday, Joint Mango, Ben Douglas, Neil Brennan, Kyle Barrett, Samuel Custer, Matthew Ross, Nathan Elliott, Eric Johnson, Andrew Cherlog, Grim Santo, David Kay, Matthew Cutler, Tom Hiles, Dwayne Hackett, Sean, Jordan Cooper, Russell Elledge, Kevin Reyes, Vault 13 Hero, Stephen Minton, David Beardmore, Darth Mosk, HH28, Mad Courier 6, Jacob123, Matt Houston, Mike Harris, Nick Sergi. Jakey's Gamer, Patrick Seba, Captain Brazen, Alec DeWolf, Kevin Lowry, Eric Santuan, Bradley Killens, Corey Martin, and Woodrow. Thank you very much, guys. I think what this really does, though, is tells us exactly who's open to hazing. Yeah. Who's got to pick it up? Just get ready. You gotta, we gotta pat, we're going to paddle that butt <laughs> with the Penske paddle, which you can also you're gonna buy. buy. <laughs> <laughs> and then we sell some Band-Aids that are also branded if you need those, too. Thank you, patrons. No, we only much. we only we only brand blunt objects that you can use for striking or marking or pointing. Thank you very much, patrons. Much appreciated. So let's go to patron comments. If you're a Patreon patron, you can leave your comments about uh, upcoming episodes when we read them. Matt Ross says, "Didn't we just see this story on DS9? It's also in Voyager and TNG. I know from the get go it was holograms. Fake Odo staying on the planet to be by himself for 22 years is weird. Why not try to at least fix the transmitter to get home and explain what happened? Insurance rates going to go higher? Why didn't Fake Odo program the holograms to help with the repair? Suddenly, and out of the blue, T'Pol has the hots for trip, which also makes no sense. The aliens are so lazy in design that should have been just called humans. Reed and Mayweather are right. It was suspicious from the get go. The best part to me is the alien trader in the beginning. Other than that, you can skip it. A blah out of five." What was the um, what was the rationale for lying about the time that they've been there? Um, that felt like another weird script. Like let's hide some information for a little bit and yeah. then just have a scan that Reed is like they've been down there for twenty two years. Yeah, I mean that's. I think that's just a matter of again you're you're building you're building your story to drive towards your twist. It's not the it's not the twist happening in support of the story you're telling, right? So you need to have plot points and information that they learn along the way to keep the mystery up. And so at some point, reads like the scorching on the outside of this thing is 25 years old. And then you go, oh, well, that's interesting. You know, it's, yeah. all, it's all in service of getting you to the end. But it's not, even, of, it's not even a length of amount of time that you'd be like, well, how are they all still alive? Like he's like, it crashed 500 years ago. And you go, oh, what the hell? Like they all look like they're mid 40s. <laughs> like, why, why is this the case? Right. So, it's- well, I think because at that point, I don't think you're, you're intent. I think they're trying to. Uh, I think the twist is supposed to, when you get to the twist, it's supposed to be that, oh, these people are not real. Whereas at that point in the story that you're talking about, that they're, 
the mystery is still swirling, so it's just a misdirect. Because mm-hmm. at that point, you have no reason to think that the people on the ship aren't real. Sure. Like, that's not st- something that they're trying to imply. They're implying that there's something off about them and that they have ulterior motives of some sort, and they've got some secret that they're not supposed to tell, which I fucking hate that stuff, too. <laughs> when it's just like, whatever you do, don't say anything. Yeah. I mean, there's like... Father, I said nothing. I hate that shit. I think you've talked to enough of the Enterprise crew. He, impl- he implies that in a kind of yeah. a, you've been a dirty I, girl way too, which I've <laughs> my uh, somewhere on on Twitter. Um, uh, Carl Carl Reiner passed away uh, yesterday, and somewhere on Twitter, someone posted a, an excerpt from an a uh, an interview with him and Mel Brooks, and they were talking about how they get together like every night to watch movies. Yeah. And uh, or like whatever movies they can find on TV, and Mel Brooks says, "Yeah, we love movies where they say secure the perimeter and stuff like that." I'm like, "Yeah, that's exactly what I'm talking." <laughs> like, there's certain bits of just like hacky dialogue that are always stand out, yep. and that's one where it's like, "Father, I t- I, d- I didn't tell them anything. I swear, I hate that stuff." Yeah, I think uh, someone, I think it might be Adam Carolla, has a bit that just like the quality of a movie uh, can always be determined by. A, if it happens, and B, like the event, uh, like the the timing of it, where the a character will say the title of the movie in the dialogue at some point. He says mm-hmm. Oasis in this too, which in kind of a weird way is like, me and my daughter have been in this Oasis for a while. Yeah. And it's like, okay, like you just, that's, it just knocks it down when it's brought in so artificially. Have Have you ever seen the, uh, uh, do you remember the Upright Citizens Brigade mm-hmm. show? Did you ever see the episode where it was the guy in the video store? And he's looking for something to watch. And the guy who works in the video store tar- starts telling him that he was in all of these famous movies. Oh, no. And he's like, you were in Star Wars? He's like, yeah, I had the titular line in Star Wars. He's like, what are you talking about? He's like, you don't remember that part where I'm flying with that old man and the dog? And then I just, I'm the one who goes, man, I'm just so tired of all these Star Wars. <laughs> and he keeps saying that. He's like, you know, I, you were in Out of Africa? He's like, yeah, I had the titular line in Out of Africa. I'm in the car with Robert Redford and that lady that looks like my aunt, and then we're just stuck in traffic. And I go, man, I wish we could just get out of Africa. <laughs> Captain Brazen says, Oasis, Rene Aubergenois returns to Trek as a guest star to give a good performance in another retread of an episode. Wait, Tom Bergeron is in this episode too? Okay, cool, I guess. This episode is similar to DS9's Shadow Play, which also had Rene in that A-plot, but both episodes are meh. I spotted the twist a mile away before the cold open had ended. Bergeron's alien says the wreckage had no life signs. It was filled with essentially ghosts. And I immediately said, there be holograms here, which woke up my dog. To Paul reminding trip of his past mistakes is tongue in cheek. In the future. How loud did you say it? <laughs> in the future. I, he wrote it in all caps. I just didn't, I didn't uh. sell his performance. Uh, in the future, men need to remember not to be getting someone pregnant or becoming pregnant themselves. Very Roddenberry. Again, the highlight was seeing Renee act once again, seeing his last live Trek appearance here in interviews in his recent DS9 documentary and his final portrayal of Odo in Star Trek Online filled me with sorrow, sorrow slash melancholy. Rest in peace, Renee. A low three holographic crew members out of five. I guess this would be his final I, Trek live Trek appearance. Yeah. I did also like uh, uh, it's they, they did it fairly subtly. Um, when uh, uh, Trip is like, what happens if your daughter gets hurt? Are you going to have some sort of, I don't know, holographic doctor yeah. take care of her? Yeah. Voyager reference right there. Very clever. Mm. 
PointXG says, I see you hiding there, Odo. That beard won't fool anyone. Speaking of Odo, I'm pretty sure he and Dax did the same story on Shadowplay. When plot lines repeat themselves, you remember the previous episodes and figure out what's happening in the new one, which is a shame because I think this episode is a lot better than what DS9 did. The story of an engineer forced to choose between his daughter or staying at his post, that's not a decision you can ask any parent to make, and Renee really sells that in his performance. It deserves to not be spoiled by the inferior DS9 episode. Jakey's Gamer says... So are these holograms, Are these are like doctor-level holograms, right? These are like holodeck-level holograms, right? Yeah, they're fairly advanced at this because point. Because yeah. they can hold guns. Yes. Well, uh, that, yeah. was the other, that was the other weird thing where you can shoot through them, but you can punch them also. Archer can like slam them against the wall and stuff like Does that. Does he do that to one of them? Yeah, he punches one of the guys in the face, one of the holograms, after they shoot at them and the, the laser goes right through them. <laughs> <laughs> I completely missed that. Uh, yeah, uh, sure. Why not? Yeah. Dickie's Gamer says, I found this episode kind of boring, but the ideas were really interesting. Enterprise continues to do creepy well, but I saw the hologram thing coming a mile away, even on first watch. I think there's a better episode in here somewhere where they never actually figure out why the crew can't be detected. Leave the viewing the viewer wondering, what if? Overall, this is a straight-down-the-middle three episode that had the potential to be a four and couldn't get there. Also, has anyone noticed how Archer is awfully quick to force his help on everyone he meets? I realize there wouldn't be an episode if this uh, there wouldn't be an episode if this didn't happen. But just one, oh, if this happened, but just once, I'd like to see someone say, "Yeah, we're good," and have Archer respond with, "Okay, cool, we're going to go now." Just out there bringing liberty and democracy to the Middle East yes. of space. Flower in their guns. Steph- also, I I do disagree. I think I don't think this episode is improved by not finding out what the what's going on i think this is one where you have to tell people sooner what's going on mm. stefan minton says sigh another mystery i can't say the episode is bad exactly it's just that it suffers from the nagging feeling of having seen it all before a problem that plagues the earlier seasons of enterprise the creepy setup is kind of interesting in the first half of the episode runs along pleasantly enough but by the end it just fizzles out the reveal is not that exciting and the tale of Ezra's I guess that's the name Ezra's guilt over the choices he made failed to make me feel his agony in any meaningful way but it's nice to see Odo again a serviceable three holographic friends out of five a latte librarian says it's always nice to see Renee Aubergenois on screen did I miss the part where they, anyone asked Galeana what she wanted or what her or was her future decided among the men only <laughs> disappointed yeah, that point. she didn't have more agency in what was happening two bowls of ice cream out of five that's my she's the episode doesn't make the decision that she's the main character, so it has to abandon yes, her. It's, right. That's the problem right. with it. She's also surprisingly well-adjusted for the situation that she's in, growing up with only her father and a bunch of holograms. Knowing that they're holograms. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Kyle Barrett says, Oasis. Like she's, she, she's not like, oh, my God, another person. Oh, my God, a, a sexy <laughs> just, man. Just, you know? <laughs> just touching. This is the episode where uh, Trip should be taking off his shirt to get in there and fix that holographic emitter yeah. and stuff and just have her uh, giving him a back rub or something like that. Like the, like the, the fake Jessica Rabbit and <laughs> Who Framed Roger Rabbit. <laughs> ba-boom, ba-boom. Kyle Barrett says, so this episode features a character called Damar in a plot similar to Shadowplay. I genuinely wonder if Braga has ever watched DS9. Despite that, I think this is low-key one of the best episodes of the season. Sure, maybe it's got a few narrative issues like Archer admitting that he has no idea why he's opening the escape pod other than for the plot to regress. But this might be mm. the most effective mystery that they've written so far. It's well-paced. Mm. The ghosts give an episode a Scooby-Doo vibe, a plus in my book. And Rene Aubergenois is a delight. He would have gotten away with it, too, if it weren't for that horny engineer. Four ghosts out of five. I don't know, man. This is probably one of my least favorite i um, i think this is a this is an this is an example of 
how uh, I, I can't even say the structure is good because it's it's not. But this is an example of how s- solid structure does not equal good story, right? Because it is another. It is correct. It is it is another workman like episode where if you're looking at what's happening on screen, there's nothing wrong with it really. Like there's no crazy plot inconsistencies or ridiculous shit happening it's all it's all handled pretty well Mm -hmm. it's just it's very stiff and there's no life to the story they're telling whatsoever yeah and on top of that it's i think the structure is bad because it counts on you caring about something that ultimately is not interesting yeah um as opposed to giving you a reason to care about the the outcome that happens um so yeah, this is probably this is one of the worst for me. I think I like Kyle's, Kyle's point about the um, opening the escape pod. What's funny about that scene is that Flox even seems aware. Like before they open it, Flox is like, "What do you expect? Like, what am I supposed to do here?" And then they open it, and he's like, "I told you, I can't, I can't, this, yeah. I can't heal your mummy that's in here." It's it's a very strange <laughs> sequence where Flox is like, "We're particularly not annoyed. We're we're not picking up any life signs." Yeah, that's because there's a dead body in there. Well, we should open it anyway and see what you can do. I'm telling you what's going on. There's a dead body in there. They open it up. Oh my god! Yes, I told you, dead body. He should just like I'm, really be like, oh, and he just like grabs his wrist to take his pulse and explodes into dust. And he's like, "I, I told you, like this, <laughs> this just can't happen." I also quick give him mouth to mouth. Not a good dummy because I could not tell which alien that was on the planet when I was yeah, looking at it. Yeah. It was like. Yeah, it d- d- didn't didn't look very good. I don't know why they didn't just mm. have the actor actually make up. It was like a dummy. It was a dummy sitting in there. I'm glad that they used a dummy though. Uh, if that thing's supposed to have been dead for like 25 years, you could. It always looks silly when they when they use. Uh, it's been out in space though, with courses. like nothing to break it down. You know, it should just be yeah, almost like a true. perfect thing, a perfect mummification. Benjamin Espinosa says, as the episode got going, I felt that warm familiarity of classic Star Trek setups. This felt like classic Trek, maybe because we've had so many bad episodes lately. This one got back to what makes Trek work, and I really enjoyed it. Maybe you can have a discussion on what are the unique Trek story types. The abandoned crew on the remote planet hiding some horrible mystery to be uncovered is definitely one of them. I like the trip to Paul dynamic in this one, and the trip Leanne scenes were well-written enough with charm and chemistry that you felt their attraction. I'm glad she and Odo were not holograms also. Love seeing Renee again. Rest in peace. This one gets four bowls of vanilla ice cream out of five. Vanilla is actually a very good fitting choice for that right there. I know. Um, by the way, glad Clint Black wasn't in this one. My mistake on the last <laughs> review, calling Clint Howard, Clint Black. Love you, Riff, on it. Uh, I'm, I'm surprised that people are in liking this one as much as they do uh, compared to the ones that they didn't like previously. Do you remember it's, an episode that the audience didn't like particularly? Um, I, I just feel like some of the... Some was of the, low. People didn't like uh, yeah. the Ferengi episode. I don't know. It just I'm. This doesn't stand out. I can't think of a way that this would stand out from anything else to be a four. Like I, if is is this that much better than acquisition? I don't think so. Is this? I gave Dear Doctor a four. Is this as good as Dear Doctor? Oh hell no! No, no, absolutely not. Yeah, that that would be my sort of rating. You know how you can tell because I remember what that is by the title. That's right. Dear Doctor is definitely the best episode so far. Of yes, the season. so far, yeah, yeah. Uh, Christian Pouch says Enterprise again shows it can do a decent job at being creepy. Although I've noticed something. Do you think a lot 
uh, do you think a lot of the opening scenes are kind of weird? They often barely relate to the story and instead just show random scenes preceding the main event. It doesn't really hook you. In any case, I saw the crew being holograms a million miles away, although that could also just be because it's done. it's been done a lot before. I also don't think that there's much to these stranded aliens. Still, it's not awful. Three Clay saying, it's fines out of five. You're wrong on this one, pal. <laughs> Neil Brennan says, is this the final... This is the final this comment. Is, I, don't, I don't know how I would adjust that scale from three Clay saying it's fine to four Clay saying it's bad. <laughs> it just it goes the other way. Yeah, it's just yeah, the bads are up. <laughs> Neil Brennan says, Oasis, I won't look back in anger at this episode. More like crippling boredom. Some, say, some might say you got to roll with it. Do you know what I mean? Whatever. These are Oasis song titles. You are less Americans. Don't explain your joke, man. Come on. <laughs> one Wonderwall. Jay, Jay Leno. One Wonderwall out of five for an episode as sexy as Noel Gallagher's eyebrows. Neil didn't like it, apparently. So Thank despite you. the fact that he insulted our nationality, um, we can roll with him because he really, I don't think I'm going to give it a one, but we'll see. Thank you very much, patrons, for leaving your thoughts about this. What's your favorite Oasis song, Clay? Um, I, you know, <clears throat> excuse me. I was never huge into Oasis. Mm-hmm. Uh, I knew the the hits, and I think in college I tried to listen to one of their albums and, and convince myself that I really liked them, but it never really took. Yep. They actually do a, a really nice cover of uh, Come On, Feel the Noise, though. That's pretty good. Oh, really? Yeah. Wow. The twist? Yeah, they, they do... They do it a lot. They do it more like the original Slade version mm-hmm. than the uh, uh, Quiet Riot version, sure. but it's it's good. I like it. <laughs> yeah, I like. Um, I think "Don't Look Back in Anger" is my favorite Oasis song. I what's funny about Oasis is um, I do I like how they're not the most aggressive rock band, but the the brothers' interaction is the most rock and roll thing I think that's happened in like yes, the past thirty years. Yeah. Like they are they are the yeah. most rock and roll frontman and guitarist of all time where it's just like well you know it's it's one of those things where uh oasis started coming out and getting big around the time that i was starting to get into more like more well-versed in like classic rock stuff and oasis always bugged the shit out of me because they were so clearly angling on the uh the beatles and the kinks stuff yeah like i is it uh it's either Champagne Supernova or it's possibly Don't Look Back in Anger, which is literally apes the riff from Imagine. Yes, that's um, Don't Look Back in Anger. Remember. It's that piano opening, yeah. right? That dun, 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 Yeah, dun, dun. It's, it's like they, 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 they do the uh, um, vanilla, vanilla Ice explanation of why he's not ripping off Under Pressure. Right, he added a little he goes, bit of Theirs goes, dun, 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 da, da, dun, 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 dun. Ours goes, dun, 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 da, da, dun, 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 dun. So it's not the same. Um, yeah, so they always just, they always, uh, felt like a, uh, like they were trying to ape the, the sixties mod stuff, yeah. which they, they are. I mean, they, they do they, a good job are. of it. It's, I, they do, yeah. they do yeah. having, having some distance on it and going and looking at them again. It's like, yeah, they're, they're a pretty good band. Yeah. Pretty good songwriters. Uh, that's it. Thank you very much patrons for leaving your thoughts on this episode, which is, Oasis. I will say, sorry, there is a, uh, there's a wrestler shit i can't remember his name uh i could see his anyway he's a wrestler he's on wwe uk right now and his entire gimmick is essentially he just really likes oasis <laughs> and so uh his nickname is the scottish supernova okay and he 
So like that's that's all that's all he that's all his thing is at least for a time. He's just like no, that's the guy who just really likes Oasis. That makes sense. Yes, yeah. <laughs> I think that's got legs to it. <laughs> like Sam, there's another wrestler, Sammy Zayn, who his gimmick for a long time was just he seemed he just really liked ska music. Right. Yeah. Well, who doesn't? That's a, that's a defining defining moment in all of our young lives in the nineties. What are you going to give this one? Scale of one to five. Uh two. All right. Yeah. So you didn't go with a one. No, because again, it's it, there's nothing explicitly bad. Like Aggressively I, I feel like awful. in my mind, yeah, I, I have I have an idea in my mind what a a one Star Trek episode is, and this is definitely not it. Mm-hmm. Like it's not it's not egregiously awful. It's just boring and poorly structured yeah for me it's a it's a low two for me as well um yeah it's just got a lot of it's got a lot of issues that hold it back from it's, it's just a lack of focus really on like what uh, uh, the showrunner at this point should have been like what is this episode about who is this focusing on is exactly. this a ghost story yes. like tell a ghost story then is this about this guy's sacrifice tell that guy's story is this about the girl wanting to get off this planet that she's trapped on tell that story and they, they don't decide on which story it is and that's what causes the problem yeah, and if you say what is this story about, and the person answers, uh, it's about holograms who have been stuck there for twenty five years, <laughs> who are not ghosts. You go, that's not what the story that's, is about. That's, that's something that happens, right? But that's not what the story is about. Two's for both of us. Thank you very much, guys, for listening to the show. Patreon dot com slash the Penske file. If you want to support us, that's the best way to do it. Much appreciated. And I think that's it. Clay, do you have anything you want to say? Uh, we got new badass out there. I don't know what day this is coming out. I uh, time time badass time is, uh, is very badass came very out yesterday. interesting. And yesterday, okay, yeah. So we had a new badass come out. We we're doing uh, uh, blind as a bat and his silicon soul, the return of Hardak, the duplicant robot. Mm-hmm. Um, and then next week we've got David Cronenberg's The Fly. Oh, that's good. Or possibly a girl walks home alone, and I can't remember where we are. I think. Yeah, next week is Girl Walks Home Alone at Night, and then the following one after that is The Fly. That's what it is. Sounds good. I've been I've been editing. I, I've been recording these episodes like weeks in advance, and I've been editing them all as I've been working. Yeah. So they're all really running together, and I have no concept over when they were recorded or which ones are coming out next until they actually do. I actually or and since based on when we record, I don't know when these episodes come out. Right. So I don't know. <laughs> I'm, I, I'm literally stuck in time at this point as far as schedules go i can't handle two star treks to edit in a row like if i have two yeah. things to do it, it i just it, it doesn't um the the most ag- aggressively annoying thing are the show notes for them and if i let two mm. trek episodes mix together i forget what i'm supposed to say in the thing when i'm writing it up so it's really annoying but yeah i i try to stay on top of it as much as possible because i can't deal with a backlog i don't think all right That's it, guys. Thank you very much for listening. Hope you enjoyed it. Let us know what you thought about Oasis down in the comments, all that stuff. And I guess we're done. The next episode is, it's like Detained. Is that the, yeah, Detained is the next episode. So we'll be back with that one. Thank you very much for for listening. Patreon.com slash the Penske file if you want to support us. See ya.